We are in the middle of this series right now, When in Rome, about the book of Romans. You know, once or twice a year, we like to take a book of the Bible and go through it. It helps us to understand God's Word a lot more, not just for information purposes, but how to live it out, how to apply it to our lives. How many know that sometimes knowing God's Word is the easy part, applying it to our lives 2,000 years after it's written is the difficult part? Is that just me or... Yeah, it is. So I think this is crucial for us as a church family to do that. Let me make a couple of quick announcements before we, before we move on. One, in two weeks, we start our prayer teams uh, at the end of services. And uh, I want to announce that because some people that have asked, like, what are prayer teams? What are, what are we doing these for? And so I wanted to let everybody know it, it's something that we're hoping really adds another spiritual piece of the puzzle to our services, another opportunity for us to hear from God and, and uh, talk to God. And what we want to do most of the time, what will happen is at the end of services, uh, instead of just somebody coming up afterwards and uh, receiving offering and then dismissing, what we'll do is we'll go, we're going to go back into, we'll make our uh, message and worship time maybe just a little bit, two, three minutes shorter, so that we can do a, a worship song at the end of services. And we have several, we have about 25 people that are part of our prayer teams right now. So there'll be two or three or four across the front uh, during each service or at the end of each service. And if you have a need in your life and you want to pray about what God's speaking to you about, whatever the situation is, that's a perfect opportunity for you to just come up during that worship song and pray with them. And uh, it'd be great. There's nobody going to, you know, bring a mic or anything. It's between you and them. Uh, it's just a great opportunity for that. And we're believing that through that, God's going to be able to speak to our people, speak to you more and more. That's our goal at South Point is for our relationship with God to grow closer and closer. Amen? Are y'all ready for today? Are y'all excited about today? Well, do you know that as good as today is, in three weeks, it's Easter. Can you believe that? April 1st. What I want to know is who put Easter on April Fool's Day? You know the atheists are having a blast with that, you know. It, it, it's three weeks from now. It's always the biggest day at South Point uh, is Easter Sunday. And the reason I tell you that is it's because there's a lot of people that will say, even people that don't go to church, they'll say, well, Easter is when I will go with my mom or my friends or my neighbor. Easter is kind of an open door. I'll go on Easter because there's a lot of new people there and I can blend in. And, and I say all that to just remind you that this is a perfect opportunity to you, for you to invite somebody in your life to come to South Point and they get to experience this with you on Easter. Maybe, maybe you could even bribe them with a little food. Say, I'll take you out to lunch afterwards. And, and a few months ago, I used this example in, our, uh, in one of our services about the three knots. Do you, anybody remember that? We took a string and that we actually passed them out. And we had three knots in the string. And it's a great way to remind yourself on how to share your faith. What are the good opportunities to invite somebody to church? And the three knots are, one, if somebody is not having a good time in their life right now, if they're going through some struggles, they're, they're, they're not in a good place in their life, you know what they need? Everybody say Jesus. <laughs> they need Christ. And the church is a great opportunity to, to introduce them to Christ. The second knot was when somebody is not, if I can remember it, not going to church. Not going to church is a great opportunity to invite them to church. Amen? And then the third one is if they're going through something in life they're not prepared for, something that's too big, that's overwhelming in life, that's a great opportunity to invite them. So as you walk through the corridors of where you work, as you meet clients, as you meet your neighbors and talk to people at school, wherever that's at, think about, are, 
are they in a, a relationship with Christ? If not, I need to look at their life and see if I can invite them to come experience what is going on here at South Point. Let me just tell you, our dream at South Point is that South Point would be a beacon of hope for people without Christ. Amen? And, and I think that for us, it's huge in our lives. It's, it completes our discipleship process. Part of it's giving in and us living it. But the other part of that is seeing what God is doing in us happen in other people's lives. It's probably the most fulfilling thing that ever happens in my life when I'm able to help somebody take one step in their relationship with Christ. Maybe that one step is just coming to church. Maybe that one step is giving their life to Christ. Sometimes those happen the same weekend. Sometimes those happen months apart. Our job is just to give the opportunity. So let's, let's do something real quick. We haven't done this before. Let's pray and let's ask God to help us, each of us, to find one person in our life to focus on. Focus on somebody and invite them for Easter. To give God an opportunity at Easter to change some lives. Do y'all believe that with me? I'm excited about this. Let's pray about it. Lord, we are so thankful. We, together right now, everybody in this room, Lord, we ask with one heart that you would help us to find someone in our lives, that you would show us someone in our lives that is in need of you and help our hearts and our minds and our prayers to focus on them, that we'd start praying for them right now, praying for opportunities to speak into their lives. And when we do, that you'd give us the courage and the words to say and that you would help them to respond in your will. We pray that in your name and everyone said amen. Amen, amen. Will you believe that with me? Will you believe that it won't just be us on Easter, there'll be a whole bunch of lost people in here. Isn't that great? You ever think about a bunch of lost people coming to church? How they may steal your seat. Are y'all ready for that? Yeah, isn't that great? You, you say that till they steal your seat. They, they may turn over a pop in the seat. Their, their kids may not know how to act in church, all that kind of stuff. You know what I always think about that? Isn't it great to have lost people in church? You know what? When we, when we came eight years ago, we have two nurseries over here that were baby nurseries eight years ago. One of them was storage, and the other one would every now and then have one kid in it. That was eight years ago. And we would begin to pray, say, God, give us families with kids. We want young families to grow up at South Point to show how great this is. And now when you walk through that hall, and there's 15 in one classroom and 13 in another classroom, and the Teachers are looking at you and going, oh my gosh, you know, and they're running through the lobby. They're playing chase, knocking each other over in the lobby out there and everything. I always go, thank you, Lord, because that right there is answered prayer from years ago. Amen. And I believe the same thing for us as we grow, as we continue reaching people. I want us to never forget our, our first job is our relationship with Christ, but a real close second job, remember that, love God. But that real close second job is loving others. Amen. Loving those people in our lives. All right, I'm not going to preach all that today, but I'm really excited about Easter coming up. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to touch people's lives every year. But today we're going to jump into the second message, the second part of Romans. Last week we covered uh, chapters 1 through 4. This week we're going to cover chapters 5 through 8. Um, this, these are my favorite, five, or 6, 7, and 8 are my favorite three chapters in the whole uh, book of Romans. It's incredible. Romans... I read you some quotes last week. Romans has been uh, held as one of the greatest books of the Bible for centuries because it gives, Paul gives his greatest uh, explanation of the gospel from, from Genesis multiple times, and he explains his way through all the way up to Christ 
death, burial, and resurrection and what that means for us. And today, he's going to do the same thing. Paul starts off in Romans 5, and we're going to jump into Romans 5 and read this real quick, all right? 5, 6, 7, and 8 So what we're going to talk about today. Romans 5, 18 says this. He starts with Adam. He says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everybody say thanks, Adam. Mm -hmm. Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone. But, I love it when there's a but in there, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Can you one more time say everyone? That means you. You know that? That means your neighbors. That means those, co those people that we're praying for and focusing for. For everyone, God brings life. Well, let's keep reading verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Because Adam, one person, sinned. It doesn't seem fair, does it? Is that just me or do you ever think? Just because Adam sinned? I have to live in sin. I have to live in death. I have to live in a world that's broken. Everybody say, is that fair? You don't want to say it in public, but you say it in private, right? I've asked God that. When I'm going through situations, I say, listen, this doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair that because of one person, I mean, can't you give me a shot? Just me, huh? All right. But the great news of that is God knew that. He, he knew that, and he said, how about, how about one more unfair act? How about because Christ gave his life, his perfect life, there was no condemnation on Christ. There's no sin in his life. How about one more thing unfair? He'll give his life, and that allows you, no matter how you decide to live, to have an opportunity for Christ. And then when you step into that life, to be able to live a righteous life because of Jesus. How about one more thing unfair? I'm going to give my life for us all is what it says. So, so this is what chapter 5 is about. I'm going to give you a, a statement on chapter 5. This is about Adam and Jesus and you. That's what chapter 5 is about. Adam and Jesus and you. It shows from the beginning, it's not the way you and I would conceive fair. That one person sins, so we're all condemned. But he allowed sin into this world and is broken. You and I get to feel those effects every single day, don't we, of a broken world. You know, sometimes when I counsel people, that's the extent of my counseling sometimes. I don't know. I don't know why this happened. But what I do know is because sin entered the world, it's broke. The world is broken. And here's the other thing I know. Our only hope in this broken world for you and me is Jesus. Amen? That's it. That's the only hope. That's what inspires me to do what I do, to share my faith, to, to pray for people, to, to do all of those things. is because of what Jesus has brought into our life. Paul, I mean, Adam was about bringing sin into the world and the world being broken. Jesus is about bringing giving, giving into this world. He gave his life, and because of that, he brings life, life-giving spirit. Five, five is a short chapter, but five starts us off with another four-chapter sermon that Paul preaches. It's kind of the ebb and flow of Jewish writing. Those first four chapters completed. The next four chapters, here we go. We're going to jump into chapter 6, and I want you to get this. Chapter 6, still talking about Adam, Jesus, and you and me. But in verse 10, listen to this. Talking about Jesus. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. 
But you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Here we go. Y'all ready for this one? Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to the sinful, to sinful desires. Everybody say, don't give in. Second point, don't give in to sin. Paul, Paul is saying, you, do you want to experience life to its fullest? Let me ask you, church, you want to experience life to its fullest? Oh, okay. Well, four of us will. That's it. Uh, do you want to experience life to the fullest? Listen, I, I may be a little aggravated if I get to the end of my life and I haven't lived life to the fullest. And I'm not talking like skydiving and mountain climbing fullest. I'm talking what, what me and Christ in our relationship, where we can go in my lifetime. I want to max that sucker out. Amen? Is that just me? Like, I want, I want to see what God can do in a person's life. I want to see what God can do in our lives. And so Paul says, listen, if, if, you, if you want to see, if you want to experience God in our lives, then don't give in. Don't give in. Don't give in when it crouches at your door. Jesus said that, hey, hold on. Satan is crouching at your door waiting to attack you. He's going he's gonna to throw junk in your pathway all the time. He's going to try to trick you and confuse you. You know what happens when temptation comes? Everybody say, don't give in. You don't give in. You say, that's a sin. That's a temptation. I'm tempted. I'm not doing that. Amen? You know, here, here, let me give you an example like this. I, I, I used to like giving these examples a lot more, but I don't as much anymore because I have kids. But as I was growing up, I've, I've talked about my childhood stuff. We fought... I fought, I, I can't remember a time when we didn't fist fight in my neighborhood. I did, we just grew up fist fighting. That was part of it. If somebody said, what are you looking at? You're going to get punched. Because you knew what the next step was. You, what are you going to do about it? Let's fight. I mean, we just, we fought all the time. I, I can remember my, my good friends that I'm friends with on Facebook, we joke about it. Do you remember when we were in first grade and we were fighting and you bit me? Yeah, I remember that. And I think now, like, first graders fighting, what was wrong with us? And more than that, what was wrong with our parents? But they didn't know because we didn't have video games. We had three channels on TV. And you know where you, what you did for fun? You went outside. Find a stick and a rock and some Hot Wheels and something to pretend it's a gun and go outside and play Army or Cowboys or whatever it is. That, that's what we did growing up. And if somebody didn't like the rules, then you fought it out. And whoever lost uh, didn't get to make the rules. The other guy did. That's, that's the way we rolled in alphabet land. Now I grew up on F Street, like A, B, C, F Street, and everybody else in town called that alphabet land. It's where all the poor kids lived, you know. So we grew up fighting, and I'll never forget when I came in. I lost my first fight in third grade. It was a school fight against a bigger kid, and he was picking on some kids. I actually threw a rock and hit him, and he, he came over, and we duked it out for a minute. I thought I was winning. I lifted my hands like Rocky. I'd seen Rocky do it. Yeah, like that, and he clocks me, right? So... But I got a life lesson out of this. There's a lot of life lessons in fighting. We're not going to cover them all today. But when I got home, I told my dad what happened. And you know what? He gave me some advice that would challenge me to this very day to not give in. My dad said, listen, you know who always wins in a fight? And I said, who's that? And he goes, the last guy swinging. Hmm. What, what do you mean by that? The, the, the first person to quit loses. The last person swinging the one that won't quit, the one that won't give in. That, yet you're going to take some licks. That's another thing you learn in fighting is that there's actually no winners. Everybody gets hit in a fight. 
But the person that wins, and it's that way spiritually with us, the person that wins is the one that doesn't quit, the one that doesn't give in. Right? Because, because me and a, somebody are in a fight and he gets a hit on me, does that mean he automatically wins? No, right? Uh, we, we used to have a, a rule we went through for a while. The first one to bleed uh, loses. I'm telling you, we had jacked up relationships. So that, but I would, the first time somebody hit me in the nose, my nose started bleeding. He's like, I win. I'm like, no, you don't. And we went right back at it. Because that, that was a false rule, just because I get hit. And it's the same way spiritually. Just because I am tempted or I make a mistake doesn't mean I give in and throw away my relationship with Christ, right? It means actually that I dig in harder. Man, I hate when I lose. I hate when I get hit. I hate when I make a mistake and hurt my relationship with Christ. I'm going to look at and I'm going to really focus on how do I not give in to this ever again? How do I win this? Amen? Like, how do I succeed? How do I strategize? Or as George W. Bush says, how do I put together some strategy to win this sucker? Y'all with me on that? Y'all remember that? How, how, do we, how do I set myself up for winning? And you learn, like in fighting, you learn later in life, you learn, I don't want to pick a fight with that guy. Right? He, he's too big. He's skilled, whatever the situation. I didn't lose any more fights growing up. And some people will say, well, then you didn't fight enough people. And I would agree with you. Because I would like to think that it wasn't just my body that matured, but my mind also, right? I can remember in high school and college going, this is stupid. Like, I've got to figure out another way to resolve conflict. And that's exactly what will happen in our relationship with Christ. We'll figure out, I don't, I don't need to fight this fight. I may lose that fight. I'm not even going there, Right? Right? I'm not even going to put myself in this environment or with these friends or in this situation. I'm not going to bring it into my life because I don't want to lose. And my goal is not to give in. Amen? Not to give in to my sinful desires because me giving in is what hurts my relationship with God. My goal is to love God. Amen? Oh, come on. Y'all got to help me. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting this morning. Paul's preaching a machine in this thing because he's trying to help the people that he's talked to, the Romans, whether they are Jewish believers or Gentile believers. He's trying to help them understand God has got so much more for you than what you're arguing about. Remember, I said last week that the, the basis of this letter was because these group of believers were arguing. And in the process of it, they're not unified. They're arguing about old traditional ways versus new ways. And Paul said, you're missing the point completely. What you need to be focused on is loving God with your life. And when you're loving God, when your main purpose in life is to love God, then all the rest of that stuff is put into correct perspective. Amen? Don't sin. Why? Because it's not about me and what I want in life. It's about my relationship with God and understanding that my goal is to love Him and to get the fullest relationship I can with Him. Amen? I love that. But, let, but let's keep jumping into chapter 7 because chapter 7 is so good. One line I want you to get. Paul starts with, in chapter 7, he starts with, and he asks, what's the point of the law then? Why did you give us a law for thousands of years, 630-something commandments that you want us to follow? Why did you do that? And, here, and here's one of the conclusions he comes to. He, he's asking, before we put that out, let me, let me, he's asking the question that he already knows the answer to. The rabbis, when they would teach people, like Paul was taught by a rabbi, when they would teach, they would ask questions at the beginning of their teaching to bring in the answers. It's called rabbinical, like a rabbi, rabbinical questioning. 
Same thing Jesus would do. They, they would say, hey, we need this. And Jesus would ask a question to lead them the correct direction. And Paul is asking, so I know what you're saying. You're, you're traditional Jews. I know what you're saying. Then why the Torah? Then why all the commandments, right? And here he said, let me, let me tell you the fact as to why. Verse 7 of Romans 7 says this. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. In, in fact, the law... The 630-something commandments are things that God wants us to do to act like the character of God. Does that make sense? We're going to avoid these things. We're going to do these things. And in so, we're going to be acting like God. But what was missing was the transformation on the inside. God knew that the whole time. He's going to show us the law. We're not going to be able to carry out all of that. So in hindsight, the real reason for the law What's your third point? The real reason for the law was to show us our need of God. In fact, the law shows us our sins. Let me tell you what else. In fact, it shows us. In fact, it shows us this world is rigged. You can't reach your fullest potential without Jesus. You know that? In fact, you were never created to live without Jesus. In fact, we do it because in our culture, we've shifted away from Christ, being a Christ-centered culture. That's the facts about it. The fact is we need God in our life to be who he created us to be. You, you may go to the Olympics and you may win a gold medal, but do you know that's just a piece of the puzzle? That's not who you are. That doesn't define you. You may, in, in your career, you may reach the pinnacle as a CEO, or the owner of the company in your career, but that's not who God designed you to be at heart. That's one of your gifts, one of your talents. That's awesome. But who he designed you to be is in relationship with him. And outside of that, we may reach some worldly pinnacles, but we'll never reach our supernatural pinnacle in a relationship with him. The fact is you need him. The fact is you need him in your life. Amen? The fact is I can't resist sin and temptation without him. It's a losing battle. I've tested it many times. I, maybe I didn't even know why I was doing it sometimes. I just, I'm just going to try that little one out over there, that little sin over there. And I forget that Jesus said, remember, sin is crouching at your door. Satan wants to take you out. But... With God, I can have the strength to not give in. And I understand that that's the fact that his word shows me. That with him, I can overcome sin. Amen? Have you, have you ever thought, I know you have. It's, it's not just me. There's so many temptations, so many things in our life. And sometimes when I fall to sin, when I do something that I'm so ashamed of, I will ask God, like, did you really expect me to not do that? Like, like it seemed, I seem so weak in that area. Why did I do that so easily if I love you? And God said, because you need more of me fighting for you. You need me in your life. It's my strength that's going to help you. In fact, it's, it's my willpower that's going to help you. In fact, as you give over your heart and your mind and you give over your hobbies and your thinking, in fact, the closer you get to me, the farther you'll get from wanting to sin. How do I not give in to sin is that I get closer to God. Amen? That's what I want. And, it, and it's a lifelong process. I understand that. But that's our goal today. That's our goal. Don't give in. 
Strive toward God. In fact, understand that you need him more than anything in your life. Paul said, the fact is, all these things you're arguing about, what you really need is to focus on your relationship with God, and those things will work itself out. You may need to help with them every now and then. I have to help my kids still. But I want to tell you that God wants to be in our life and not just be in our life on a Sunday or a Wednesday. He wants to be all of our life Monday through Saturday. Amen? He wants to lead us in every area. Me and my wife, last night, we were on our way home. We went out and ate at Earl's, had some good smoked brisket. Somebody say, amen. It was so good. And on the way home, we drove by Arby's. And my wife said, do you know what I think about sometimes when we drive by the old Arby's, the old look like that? And she said, I said, what? And she said, I think about, about 15 years ago, we had one of our worst arguments ever. Like, oh, well, this was a good dinner until that. But, but we were talking about, like, we haven't had an argument, like a major argument in years. Like, we get in disagreements all the time. We're both type A personalities. That's just part of it. It's part of life. But we don't have arguments like that anymore. And you, do you know why? Because we're not ever going to give in to that ever again. Our goal is not give in. Amen. And as I get closer to Christ, understanding the fact that I was created to be with him, that none of those things that I grew up with, like growing up fighting, none of those skills transfer over to the real world. None of them. If I, if I walk up to somebody and I go, hey, you parked in my spot, and they go, so? And I punch them, guess what happens? I go to jail, right? It doesn't transfer over. It doesn't work. But as I get closer to God in my relationship, I understand how all of my relationships should be. As I see how God has patience with me, can I get a little amen on that? As I see how God has patience with me, it makes me want to have more patience with others. As I fall and God says, there's grace for you, it makes me look at others that have fallen around me and say, there's grace for you. You understand that it's actually me drawing closer to Christ that draws me away from wanting to ever sin. It helps me to be more like him. Helps us to be more like him. Chapter 8, he rounds it up like this. Now remember what the first verse was that we read today. Because Adam sinned, he brought condemnation in, right? Because Adam sinned. One man's sin brought condemnation for everybody. Now listen to how he wraps up. Remember, it's a four-chapter mini-message. Watch how Paul wraps this up. Romans 8, 1 says this. So now, everybody say now. Woo, he's preaching. So now, now, now that, not with Adam, but now that Christ has came, now, right now where you sit, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit. Let's just pause there for a minute. I love the New Living Translation because in most of the other translations, it calls it correctly, it says the Holy Spirit. And when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think, oh, holy, like that's, that's God's Spirit, right? Holy, admirable, worthy of praise, blameless. That, that's holy. But can I tell you something? The, this, the Holy Spirit is holy. But can I tell you what God sent the Holy Spirit to do? It's to give you and me life. It's to give us life. It's to pull us away from this world and to give us life. That's what he says here. So you living for Christ, 
has enabled God's spirit. When you say, yes, Lord, I want to live for you. Show me your ways. That's it. When you say that, come into my life. God's holy, life-giving spirit comes into you and begins to give you life and show you how to walk in life and show you how to walk away from death and, and, and resist sin and don't give in to temptation. Do you understand that? That's what it's for. Listen to what, what else he says. Let's keep reading. Verse 2, or no, those who belong to Christ, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Can I just tell you something before we read this last verse? You're free this morning. Don't you ever let Satan tell you that you don't have any option in this, that you're too weak, that you're not smart enough, that you're not strong enough, that you will fall to temptation. Amen? Because Jesus said it, that settles it. Y'all with me on that? That because you said, I choose Christ, his life-giving spirit is in you, which leads you away from the power of sin and death. You are overcomers. Amen? Woo, I'm much more excited than y'all, that's what I can tell. I'm going to get you there, though. That's cool. No condemnation in this room, all right? But I'm, I'm just excited when I read this because this is what I live for. I don't live for jumping over hurdles and trying to impress God. Amen? And he said, that's not what I'm about. I'm going to give you the tools. I, I'm going to give you the, the power. I'm going to give you the help. What you focus on is loving me. What you focus on is, yes, Lord, I, I want to be closer to you. I don't want to do that. I see what it brings into my life. I don't want that in my life. I want to be for you. And when you love God and he loves you, do you know what the last couple of verses of Romans 8 says? Listen to this. It's a love letter. It's, it's a great message, a great sermon in four chapters, but he ends it with a little kiss on the cheek right here. Verse 38 of Romans 8, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And I know what we think. We think, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know what I go through. You don't know what I struggle. You don't know my weaknesses. You don't know my dual personalities in my head. You don't know my conversations. You don't know my temptations. But listen to what he says. Paul said, I know you because you're just like everybody else. Here's what he says. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears of today, somebody say amen, nor our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can separate us from the love, from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, and here he wraps it up, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul starts out in Romans 5 by talking about the law. He talks about Adam sinned. He brought condemnation on us all. God brings in the law and Jesus Christ comes in and gives his life to set us free, not just from sin, but from the law even. In, in, in chapter 6, he, he admonishes the Romans, don't give in to sin. It's going to come to you. It's going to throw up some good signs, some good temptation. Don't give in to it. You fight it. You focus on loving God, all right? You focus on love. You focus on not stopping swinging. You keep swinging. You may take a lick, keep swinging. Remember, it's the last one swinging wins. Somebody can say amen on that one. Chapter 7, he says, in fact, all of that was done just to show you how much you need God. Examples for thousands of years to show you. you do you understand how blessed we are? We get to see it in retrospect. How much we need God. 
In chapter 8, he wraps it up with a great big understanding. Listen, this is all about love. It's always been about love. God's given you his life-giving spirit so that you can have a relationship with him. And if you'll focus on that relationship with him, he will help you not give in. He will help you overcome and he will help you live life to the fullest. How many want life to the fullest? Remember, that's how we started today. I'm gonna be disappointed in myself if I don't live life to the fullest. If I don't say, God, I wanna do that, but I'm resisting that because I want you. And then my goal is, as I get better and more mature in it, to even look at it and go, I don't even wanna do that anymore because I know it takes away from my relationship with God. Lord, I pray that my life, just like Paul says, would be a love letter to you. It would show you how much I love you. Not that I'm perfect or I wouldn't need Jesus. I may make mistakes, but I'm never gonna give in. Amen? Because the fact is, he loves me enough to give his life for me. I'm gonna love him back by giving my life for him. Amen? He doesn't want us to die. He just wants us to live. That's why he came and gave us life. I, I pray these four chapters today inspire you, encourage you, fan your flame to pursue God. To say, God, what do you want in my life? Help me to never give in, never give up, to always be resisting temptation and striving toward you, to never quit swinging, never quit fighting, but to always be striving for my relationship with you. And let me tell you, if you don't have a relationship with him, if, if life circumstances have thrown you off base, then today is the day to open your life and let Jesus come in and restore that relationship. Because it's only with him, it's only with him that we win that we overcome and that we live a life to the fullest. Will you close your eyes and let me pray for you? Lord, I, I pray for everyone in this room. Lord, our desire, our hunger is for you. That's it, period. It's for you, Lord. That's the reason we're here today. It's the reason we worship you. It's the reason that we lift our hands, we step out in, in, our, in our first time maybe we've ever clapped or, or, or sang out loud. That's the reason we do it, Lord. It's the reason we show up on a cold Sunday morning is because we love you. We want more of you. We want to see where this relationship goes. We want to grow in our faith and our understanding. So I pray for everyone in this room, Lord, that you would fan into flame, as Paul told Timothy, fan into flame that gift of God that's inside of us, that life-giving spirit that's already in us. I pray that you would breathe life into us, Lord, that you would encourage us today, that you would give us passion for you, give us a hunger for you. We love you, Lord. We want to show you with our lives. We want to show you by not giving in. We want to show you by loving you. With your eyes closed, church, let me, let me pray one more prayer this morning. If there's anyone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with God. Maybe you never have, or maybe maybe it's just the fact that you've had a rough time and you've fallen away from God. However you wanna phrase that, but you're not living with Him right now. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that today, God would help you to open your heart and your life and surrender to Him. Give Him your life and allow Him to show you what real life is all about. The Bible says that He'll come in 
that he'll forgive you of your past, that condemnation that we talked about, he'll set you free from that. That he'll show you how to walk in love, how to walk in his ways through the rest of your life. So with nobody look around, if that's you, I won't call you up to the front. I won't make you stand up or anything. like. I just want to know, are you ready to take that step today? If that's you and you're saying, you know what, that's me, Scott. I'm taking a step. I want you to pray for me today that I would begin to live for Jesus. If that's you, will you just lift up your hand? It just lets me know, hey, I'm taking that step today. Will you lift your hand up? Make that public confession. That's me. That's me. Anyone. Awesome. Fantastic. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. And one of these days at South Point, it won't just be, it's amazing when we have one or two people raise their hand. That's incredible. But I'm believing and we're all believing and praying for days when there will be 15 and 20 and 30 people that are committing their lives to Christ every Sunday at South Point. People that didn't know you, that haven't heard about the hope and the love, haven't heard about the possibilities of restoration, of possibilities of purpose and hope in their lives. So Lord, today we pray that you would help us to go out and just love you throughout our day, throughout our week. Let people see it. We pray that you'd help us to focus on one or two people in our lives, to pray for them, to look for opportunities to invite them to a life-giving relationship with you, to invite them to church and let them experience what we experience every day. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you.